to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. We have our first guest ever on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Introduce yourself. What's going on, everybody? I am so happy to be here. My name is Brooks Warren. I am classmates. Uh, fellow Towson students and future grads with uh with Ryan and and Jalen here and I'm very happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. We have a great show today. We're gonna get into some of what Brooks does with his podcast. I know he has a Wizards podcast and he's also part of the Hear Me Out podcast as well. Yes, sir. Yes, thank you, thank you so much, man. So first and foremost, yeah, um, sports journalist, just like Jalen and Ryan here, um, currently contributing to the Sports Post. Just a DMV wide uh, sports publication. Um, got some other thing going on right now. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that to finally materialize before I announce that. And Wizards um, Junkies part of Wizards of the Sports Post, just continue or discussing um, you know daily Wizards news on a weekly basis. Uh, and then hear me out is sports, pop culture, and progressive politics. Check us out on Twitter. I think it's hmo.ent. And then HMO podcast on Instagram. So you mentioned your Wizards podcast, and we have to talk about the Wizards real quick before we get started. So yeah, Davis sure. Davis Berton second in the NBA in points per game. Um, with Berton's out of the resume season, how is it going to affect the game plan for the Wizards going forward? Well, um, so for the last couple of days or so, I have been on Wizards Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, Scott Brooks has been there, uh, you know, Ish, Ish Smith, um, who else? Uh, Jan Mahami, you know, just Wizards players. And they've all just been discussing that now the team is going to go score by committee. You know, they're going to go more like Spurs in and try to pass the ball around, you know, play that beautiful basketball that we love seeing the Spurs play in the 2015, no, 2014 finals, I'm sorry. So, you know, that's that's going to be the main thing. Um Davis Bertans, you know, he's a second on the in the Wizards on on in scoring. He's top seven as far as percentage goes. So that's a lot of sharpshooting that's going to be gone. So it's really up to you know someone like Mo Mo Wagner to to step up. You know, he was someone who shot the ball really well before he got injured. Um, who else? Ish has to has to start shooting better. I mean, there's a lot of guys that got to step up, and that's the main thing with this with this quarantine and this bubble is, you know, if someone gets sick, if someone gets hurt, step up, you know, and, and make those plays. And we're just going to have to see who can because it's a lot of question marks around with this team because it's going to be development over a playoff spot. Um, I mean, yo, to be honest, like, and I've looked into a lot of stuff that you've been doing lately, and I know that the big thing that's been, like you said before, that's been preached is like team basketball. And, I mean, coming out of this quarantine as it is, um, I feel like everybody feels that way, but I feel like the the Wizards got strapped the worst in terms of like the return. 
Um, yeah. I've, I've mentioned in like past podcasts on here that like in terms of the Wizards coming back, they're set up to fail almost regardless of the circumstances. They still get yeah. the ninth overall pick, whether they get into the playoffs or not. Uh, Bradley Beal not uh, committing to coming back definitely takes away our number one scoring option. Berton's trying to like preserve his, um, you know, status being healthy and such for like his free agency that's pretty much pending at this rate. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you look at the squad and you just wonder, like, like, do they have any direction after this season, regardless of how things end? Like, do they have any like bright spots with the way this whole quarantine and coming back has looked? So, as far as bright spots, I mean, I would say definitely Rui Hachimura. I would definitely say someone like Thomas Bryant. Um, he's not in the bubble right now, and I think. Don't quote me on this. I think he had the virus. I'm not sure. Um, I have I have to definitely look that up. But um, you know, he's not going to be there. So it's up to guys like Rui, like I said, Mo Wagner, uh, Ish, uh, Troy Brown. Troy Brown, he was someone someone who's like a big fan fan favorite. You know, you have the possibility of these guys, you know, really figuring out who they are and what they can be um, in this in this league. You know. Uh, they just have to step up and be confident in their shots and their and their defense, their offense, everything like that, because everybody has a role, and they just got to figure out what that role is. Um, but like I said, yes, bright spots. You know, you definitely have Brad, Brad Bill. John Ball's coming back next season, if there's a next season. Um, you know, Rui's development in his second year, getting that game to, to slow down a little bit. Thomas Bryant figuring out his body, figuring out how to be less of a turnstile on defense, you know, because – People, people can dunk on the guy. People can finish over him. It's bad. So, and plus we have the ninth pick. Um, the draft isn't too deep, but I, I don't want to be too negative about them. I feel like it's this draft has the potential to have a lot of guys that can contribute long term. They don't. They're not going to be necessarily superstars. Um, if anybody's a superstar, it's probably going to be like Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, guys like that. But you know, there's guys on that line that can really contribute long term and be someone who can be a backup or be someone who can be a plug-and-play type of starter. So transitioning from the Eastern to the Western Conference, um, the Lakers recently signed J.R. Smith to replace Avery Bradley after uh, Bradley opted out of the season. I believe that Avery Bradley was one of the one of three players who could make the Lakers better outside of LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, the other two being Danny Green and Dwight Howard. How do you think that the Lakers are going to adjust now that they have J.R. Smith instead of Avery Bradley? As 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 long as J.R. Smith stays off that stuff and doesn't, <laughs> you know, do what he did in the uh, 2017 finals, you know, rebounding the ball and not even putting it up with, like, five seconds left. Like, you can't have those type of mental lapses, especially at a time when winning this championship is going to be the hardest championship one for – any team. I don't care what anybody says because, you know, you have eight games to get back in the game shape. You know, you're doing that over 14 days and then you go automatically into playoff intensity. That's a lot of pressure. And then that's a lot of, that's, that's, that's going to be a lot of questions involved there. I think J.R. Smith has potential to be a huge X factor, you know, with his shooting ability, his athleticism, his defense. Um, J.R. Smith definitely has a lot to pick up. Danny Green, Danny Green's still going to be a starter and he's still a really good 3D and D guy. Um, my main concern is the fact that they don't have another playmaker after LeBron because Rajon Rondo is going to be out with that thumb injury. You know, and some people look down on Quinn Cook 
you know, he's someone who think, you no, know, people think he's a bum and all that, but I totally disagree. I think he's someone who can definitely make an impact in, let's say, 20, 25 minutes per game, something like that. Um, you know, he can shoot the ball. He proved he can make plays at Duke and, and at other previous spots in the G League. So I wouldn't be so down on, on that guy. You know, he's a Dematha guy. He's a Duke guy, Maryland guy. I, I give all my love and all my credit to DMV guys. I was about to say, bro, we got to show love to the PG Hoopers, first of all, because, come on, we got to get some minutes up there for sure. I mean, the other thing is, like you said before, when it comes to Rajon Rondo being out, like, that's an injury. Like, out of of all the things that's taken place, you know, over this whole hiatus, like, this is what – this is part of what the concerns were in terms of coming back, the body not being ready and prepared. De'Aaron Fox recently got injured as well. Um, These are guys – yeah, these are guys who – have true impacts on their team in terms of like the potential to either uh, get into the playoffs being the Sacramento Kings or um, move forward in the playoffs in terms of somebody like the Lakers. Um, J.R. Smith, I think you could have, you couldn't have put it any better in in terms of saying like, bro got to stay off that stuff. If he going to be able to, you know, really contribute, you know, prime minutes. I mean, he, you know, as part of the Cavs, this whole year has been this big dispute situation with them where as, at one point they, they pulled the Carmelo Anthony and sent him home and was just like, dude, train and we'll kind of call your phone when we got a trade ready for you. So right. it's one of those things where like, and I, I mean, of course, I, he ended up turning into a free agent because of the whole development. But it's one of those things where like, you know. Mm-hmm. If he's in, you know, six man J.R. Smith mode, like Nuggets J.R. Smith mode, he's a bucket. Yeah, that, that's oh, the that's playmaker that you were talking about. If he's like Cavaliers J.R. Smith, then it's not somebody that can't give you, you know, eight to 10 points in a game, but it's somebody that you can't expect the eight to 10 points in a game yeah. from. And there's a difference between the two. I mean, I think he's, he's going to be a problem inconsistent for, guys. for sure, though. Yeah, he's one of the most inconsistent, you know, sharpshooters out there. He's someone Facts. who, like, can lapse in and out. Um, and this is someone that LeBron, like, really messes with, someone who, <laughs> who he can trust somewhat. So, you know, yeah, this is definitely very shaky. Um, man, it's, it's it's a lot of questions to be involved with J.R. Smith, man. I mean, I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. But he just has a history of messing around too much. And I just, I just don't know if I would trust him over – a Danny Green or a Quinn Cook, someone like that. Um, but hey, I'm not the decision maker. I'm not King LeBron. I'm not a uh, Frank Vogel. So we'll see what happens, man. So, Trey, J.R. Smith was not the only guy that was signed recently. Jamal Crawford was recently signed to the Brooklyn Nets. I love so, so, with the Brooklyn Nets lacking Spencer Dewitty, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. What sort of impact do you think that Jamal Crawford is going to have on the Brooklyn Nets? How far do you think he's going to take the Nets in this resume season? So Jalen said that Wizards, the Wizards are one of the like most unlucky franchises going into this 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 bubble. I would say it's the the Nets because of what you just mentioned. Plus, I think they're they're missing DeAndre Jordan, who who has the virus as well. So I mean. You know, and they just lost uh, 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 Beasley, too. And Beasley was there for maybe – or he wasn't in the bubble, but, you know, he was in Orlando for, like, a week, ended up getting the virus. You know, he's – that guy's had a, a really up-and-down career, but the Nets have, like, the, have had the most up-and-down couple of months. You know, they have four players 
get the virus during the beginning of everything. Um, but to answer your question, um, Jamal Crawford carrying the Nets, he's what, 41, 42 years old now? Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, that's a huge load to carry. Pause. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Because um, if, if Spencer Dinwiddie was there and he could score and he could be the guy that could carry a bit of that pressure, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to get a couple of wins in the first round series. But without him, without having someone got someone there that they know cannot be, can be a go-to scorer. I'm not going to, I can't trust it. You know, people think about Karis Levert and what he was able to do before he got injured uh, the year D'Angelo Russell became an all-star, but he hasn't like, he's shown flashes, but I just don't know if he can get back to that form he was before. You hear, you see a lot of reports being really positive about him. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on him to step up and be that leading scorer that people thought he was two seasons ago. But, you know, the the Nets are, like I said before, just one of the most unlucky franchises right now with the amount of people that have gotten sick and people that are not going to be in Orlando. Ryan, I'm kind of interested to see where you stand on it because, like, I mean, you're one of those guys that, like, we've we've been real adamant about talking about, like, underrated uh, leagues like the TBT, and you were real closely watching that in terms of how hype you were to see Joe Johnson play for overseas elite. So, like, you know he's a bucket. We know he's a bucket. We know Jamal Crawford's a bucket. So, like, where do you stand in terms of, like, Jamal Crawford? You know, this is an NBA roster. This is not the TBT. This is not, you know, the one-and-done system type of thing it is when you when you lose, you're pretty much out. This is a seven-game series we're talking about. Do you think that a, a guy like Jamal Crawford, as much faith as you had in a guy like Iso Joe, do you think a guy like Jamal Crawford can hold up in a seven-game series against really any team that's in the top of, top of the East right now? Man, um, I have to say no, just because Jamal Crawford is 40 years old, and you're going to rely on a 40-year-old Jamal Crawford to carry the Brooklyn Nets into the into yeah. the playoffs. I'm not I'm not expecting that. Considering that the other two teams are the Washington Wizards and the Orlando Magic, right now. For the first time, I'm actually going to see – I might actually say that the Orlando Magic are have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Wizards. Like, what were the chances that the Orlando Magic, who, who snuck into the playoffs as an eight seed last season, what were the chances that going into this resumed season that they're the best team out of the Washington Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets? Honestly, I, would, I could see a scenario where they move up a spot. Um, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but the Magic are coming in, coming in fully healthy as far as I'm aware. So they definitely have a chance to move up to that seventh seed. I think that would mean the matchup against the Magic, which I think that'd be pretty fun to watch because you have a Celtics that are, like, really young. They're really athletic. You know, I watched their Bleacher Report highlights, and I was like, dang, like, I can't believe how much fun this team is, watch- is to watch. Like, Jason Tatum and, and, uh, and, and Jalen Brown, like, the maybe top five young duos in the league as far as defense, offense goes. You got Kemba Walker there, Gordon Hayward. You know, you have a, a, a good mix of veterans and young guys there, and they can definitely make a lot of noise. I, I got to go back on my take now because Brooks put it out in perspective that, like, yeah, the Nets, they, they're more than, like, handcuffed for real because I, I didn't even factor in the fact that, like, they don't even have DeAndre Jordan, which is huge considering, you know, they're already kind of like weak in the middle in terms of like big men 
I mean, DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan does one thing. It's pretty much catch lobs. Jared Allen pretty much does one thing. That's either block the shot or get dunked on trying to block the shot. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that they're kind of cap-strapped in terms of, like, guys that can go get them a bucket, I mean, yeah, leaning on the 40-year-old Crawford, I mean, he's going to catch an ankle or two regardless. Like, yep. let's, let's make sure we put some respect on bro's name. But at the same time, like, for seven games, like you said before, I guess if, uh, you know, if things line up where maybe the Magic end up getting seventh at best, the Nets end up, you know, staying in the playoffs and they will be eighth, that Milwaukee Bucks series is not going to be pretty for anybody that gets the eighth spot. So sweet. the Nets being, yeah, the Nets being, you know, probably the worst in terms of like roster structure right now. Yeah, they might they might send them home after three low key. They might as well send them home now because there's no way <laughs> you're gonna do anything for real, for real. Yeah, I I have to kind of agree with your takes because the Nets have not had a big man since I a very a very long time ago. Since Brooke Lopez. Since well, I mean, you can even go farther back than that because I mean, the, the big man has always been an issue for for the New Jersey Nets when they were going to the finals against the Lakers and the uh, San Antonio Spurs, especially when Todd McCulloch and Jason Collins and Dikembe Mutombo were getting bullied in the paint by guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan on a consistent basis in the finals. So nightmares are there. That I feel like they've they just always lack that. Moving on to the rookie of the year race, which has been pretty tight. And we've talked about this a lot here on the podcast. It's a tight race between Zion and John Morant right now with Zion playing less than 20 games this year. Do you believe that he is the rookie of the year? If Zion Williamson gets the rookie of the year, I am riding. I am finding a way to get to Orlando and I'm going to burn everything down. There is no reason why Zion Williamson should even – I'm not going to say he shouldn't be considered, but there's no reason why he should win it at all. Like, yes, he's, he's played, what, 20 games? Not, at least 20 games, right? At least 20 at games. Least, at least 20. At least 20. He's a 20 and, and 9 guy, 20 and 10 guy. He's, he's definitely proven how great he can be. But John Morant has a huge sample size. He's, you know, he's given us a lot of great moments. You know, he's someone who blocked Kyrie Irving in like his third or fourth game in clutch. You know, he 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 basically disrespect. He's son James Harden. You remember that? Like, this is someone who, and he he he's Memphis Grizzlies have the eighth spot right now. They might have a pretty tough road to to like cement that spot. But I don't. Even if the if the if the Pelicans were they were able to get that playoff spot, I still think. John Morant deserves that rookie of the year over Zion Williamson. Hype be damned. Everybody is just too much. It's, it's too much, bro. John Morant deserves a Roy. Don't give it to Zion just because of the hype. Give John Morant what he deserves. Man, you might as well just pass the torch now, dude, to be honest. Because if we have to go, I mean, it, it's really that simple, low key. Because I mean, I mean, the way I look at it, this, this is where I stand on it. Personally, I feel like Zion isn't even second because I feel like it's not fair. I feel like in reality, if we're going to sit here and talk about tight races, it's got to be John Kendrick Nunn, if anything, if anything, because 
you know, Kendrick Nunn, he, he caught the whole league by storm in terms of, you know, his contribution on the Heat. And he's he's been a bucket all year. I mean, that whole team has caught everybody kind of lacking. Jimmy Butler kind of put everybody on their high horse. And Duncan Robinson is shooting so lights out so far this season um, that he basically is up for most player, most improved player of the year as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. going from last year, spending some time with the Heat and shooting like less than 30% from three to being like, near 50% from three and shooting like triple, if not quadruple the amount of threes he hit last year. Not to mention um, the drippiest white boy in the game and Tyler Hero. I was about to say, bro. Plus, I mean, Tyler Hero is flamethrower. So, I mean, they've brought the best out of that entire team. And it sucks that we couldn't see that squad with like, you know, Justice Winslow, who I think is going to do, you know, pretty solid with the Grizzlies or even Josh Richardson, who ended up getting traded to 76ers. Like mm-hmm. those are two guys that like honestly may have even made this team a little bit scarier than they already are, but you know, that'd be damned. When it comes to this Roy race, I've said in the past beforehand on on multiple podcast episodes that John Morant is my favorite point guard in the league right now. Probably be behind like maybe Damian Lillard. That's it. I mean, come, I mean, honestly, if we're gonna look at it, what has John Morant not done? to prove where he's at. Even the year where there were debates like, you know, Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons or like the year where it was like Joel Embiid was injured for most of the season but then came back. These are situations where like maybe somebody did not stand out enough where when somebody came back from injury, their performance propelled them so much higher because it was impact factor. Memphis was not penciled into the playoffs this year. They are like two years ahead of schedule. Same thing with the Mavericks. They're like a year or two ahead of schedule. Look, Luka Doncic is like five years ahead of schedule. That's crazy. I mean, to be, I mean, if we're gonna be real, you know, what I mean, because we, I got You got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, dude, yeah. dude, what just turned twenty? Like this year, I think. Yeah, twenty. Anything. So, however old he is. Man, I mean, basically, when you look at both of those teams, but like specifically in this case, Memphis, like they're ahead of the track by. A good couple of years or so so this isn't one of those races where it's like whoever is the leading candidate before zion came back just was doing just enough this is a guy who has outperformed you know anything that was expected um being the second pick for a reason obviously and then on top of that he's literally took a Memphis team that we've quoted as being, you know, more of the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies than, you know, this up-tempo, pace and space type of, you know, team that's been throwing lobs to Brandon Clark and Triple J and all these guys basically running the floor like crazy. I mean, it's a completely different team, and they they hung with anybody. Like you said before, Houston, they had that, that game against the, a couple of games, low-key against the Lakers, where, you know, LeBron got his money's worth, even if, you know, there were, I think, one or two of the times the Lakers did end up still winning. I mean, it's just one of those things where they've held their own every step of this season, and he's been the main catalyst of that. Like, how can you not respect that? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and think about this, too. Zion Williamson came in. Everybody's talking about his athleticism, how he dunks on people, you know, that super strength he has. You think of that one moment he had in the summer league, you know, he, he big bodied, uh, what's his name in the summer Kevin league? Knox. Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox, yeah. And Kevin Knox, ooh, bomb. Anyway, that's not, that's <laughs> not either here nor there. Um, you know, John Morant, he he nearly destroyed, uh, oh man, what's his name? The, 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 the greatest miss dunk ever. Oh, Kevin Love. 
Kevin Love. Yes, and Kevin sir. Love even gave him props for that. I mean, he, he bro, John Moran deserves that reward. He deserves like all rookie all all rookie team. He deserves he deserves some votes for all NBA. Like this dude has delivered more than anybody would have ever thought he would in year one. You know, he's what, seventeen and, and eight, seventeen and seven, something like that. Like this dude is gonna be an elite point guard for years to come if he desire the main thing with John Moran is the fact that he lands exactly like Derrick Rose used to you know, free ACL stuff. And I'm that's like my main worry about him because I'm a I'm a huge fan of him just like you are, Jalen. I need him to figure out how to properly maintain his body because it's gonna be a tragic story otherwise. Yeah, we've mentioned on this podcast about uh Jalen's worries about what the Bulls could have been with Lamarcus Aldridge and Derek Rose at the helm or even Derek Rose just being healthy for most of that, for most of his uh, career. Don't even get me started. It's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. So moving on to the to uh, depth, the teams that have the most depth in my mind are the Clippers and the Bucks. Which team do you feel like benefits with the deepest roster in the NBA going into this resume season? So you mentioned the, uh, the Clips and you mentioned the Bucks. I would I would put the Raptors in there too, um, maybe the Nuggets, and on a good day, on a good day I would put the Pelicans and the Blazers too, because the Blazers have really good guard depth. They have guys that can shoot the hell out of that ball. Pelicans they have youth and they have you know they have Drew Holiday. They got Lonzo Ball. They got Zion of course. Uh, Brandon Ingram. Um, actually no, never mind. Not the Pelicans because the Pelicans are pretty top heavy. I'll take that back, but definitely the Pel- I mean, definitely the Blazers, definitely the uh, the Raptors. You know, the Raptors have some great guys off the bench as well as a really solid starting five. I mean, if I had to lean into one, right? Um, I've been noted to like be a, a, a Nuggets rider in terms of like you know underrated teams in the league. Um, I feel like they have some guys that you know are just not getting crazy respect. You know, Gary Harris is a good rotational guard that's, you know, been starting for them. Michael Porter Jr. is a name to remember. Um, Will Barton. Who, yeah, Will Barton is a uh, Baltimore. Yeah, ooh, sh- ooh big shout-outs, too. But, um, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is the main name that I feel like people should definitely watch out for. Um, That is a guy who, if he, you know, starts to get his bearings, he's going to be a problem. Like, he was already kind of a sneaky pickup for them as it was. Um, Nobody thought he was going to fall. As far as he did, um, when I saw the Bulls pass, I was sick. I was sick. So that should tell you everything you need to know in terms of the fact that, like, we end up going with Wendell Carter instead. And I have no no hate against Wendell. He he, you know, he's had a weird up and down season with the fact that he's been injured. But outside of that, um, he's produced. But Michael Porter Jr. is somebody that we're going to be talking about, you know, with Lucas and Trey Youngs and stuff as like, you know, pure gems in that draft class. And um, I feel like if a guy like that catches fire, the Nuggets, you know, that's the quote-unquote X factor I'm going to point out for them, where I feel like them with a with a skinny Jokic, sleeper skinny Jokic on, on his P90X tip, yes, like if, if they come back strapped, you know, I, I got to pencil them in as a, as a certified problem. 
Yeah, I think maybe one of the reasons why like Michael Porter Jr. fell in the draft was because of the limited number of games he played due to injury. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why his potential was not as high as people thought it would be, just because there wasn't a lot that you could work with. I mean, if you look at his college tapes, he really didn't play a lot of games in college, but when he did, he was effective. So I feel like you needed a little bit more to work with. I guess maybe considering he went to Missouri, you could see him play against a team like Florida, who has a nice college basketball program. I think maybe that could have helped him. I think maybe playing a little bit more in college, maybe the injuries may have affected his career in college. But not, I, not everybody can be like Kyrie Irving and, you know, be like a number one pick in 10 games or less. Yeah, I mean, that, that's 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 something you don't see every day. 10, 10 games and only play 10 games in college and you're the number one pick. But I, I think Kyrie that's... Like the man and Michael Porter Jr., he, like you said, he was very effective in those times he did get to play. You know, we're talking about a 6'11 dude that plays like someone like Kevin Durant or uh, like Kristaps, you know, you don't see too many guys like that that can shoot the ball over you, that can post you up, that can do basically whatever the hell they want to do to you. So that's someone that definitely deserves more respect than he's gotten. I agree with you, Jalen and Ryan. Yeah, and I think Nikola Jokic could be a key part of that too. And him and the duo between him and Jamal Murray could be something that could take the Western Conference by storm and nobody will even know it happened. I mean, yeah. we kind of saw that last season. The thing with Jamal Murray is just the fact that he – just needs to develop that killer instinct. And Nikoli, Nikoli Jokic, he just needs to – like, I mean, he's already got the weight down, but he's just got to be more assertive because, you know, playing to make a play – playing to – yeah, playmate for others is, is great, but you're the best player on the team. You need to be that killer down the stretch. Yeah, and their opponent last year, the Portland Trailblazers, um, I don't think anybody really expected them to make a run to the Western Conference Finals last year either. But this year they kind of struggled. And Brooks, I want to get your take on it. Why do you think that the Portland Trailblazers really struggled this year? Well, for one, I think because it was some injury injury stuff happened with that. I think it might have just been an issue of just fatigue maybe or just, you know, things just not lining up for them. You know, sometimes, you know, you can be the – you could be the surprise pick a year before and then things just fall apart, whether that's uh, health-wise, whether that's like mentally-wise, like people wanting to increase their role or something like that. They didn't, they weren't a championship team, but, you know, when you surprise people like that in the playoffs, people are going to want to – people are – egos get inflated a little bit, so they want to do more and they can do more. And, you know, I'm not going to fault Damian Lillard for this or CJ McCollum because, you know, they're certified leaders. They're certified bucket getters. But I think it's the guys below them that are trying to do more, possibly, that ruined everything. Carmelo Anthony was a good addition there, and I think he helped contribute a couple of good wins there. But I don't know. That's that's another thing to add on where that's going to just add more, even more confusion to the shot diet that people get and whatnot. So I think it's just a mixture of, of health and then a mixture of just things beyond people's control. Yeah, I mean, injuries, I mean, it's that simple. I mean, it really is. I mean, it really is that simple in terms of everything that's going on. Dame was out a couple of times. Nurkic is somebody that, you know, doesn't get mentioned a lot as like a top center in the league, but the dude can get 10, 10 plus rebounds anytime he feels like it. Um, and he was out a lot of the time. Hassan Whiteside was somebody that they tried to like, you know, incorporate. And he definitely did his thing, but, you know, 
the question with Whiteside always is the same. Um, his level of engagement, you know, if he's in it, he's a problem. I think yeah. they used to say the same thing about Andrew Bynum, which is really weird that that's like the kind of comp that you could give him, considering they're really not the same kind of player at all. You got but, a championship um, winner and then a guy who's just been imping down a lot. Yeah, so it's like one of those things where, like, when you look at that, I mean, they just had a lot of rotating pieces. I think if there's anybody that you would be looking at in terms of, like, bouncing back come these last couple of games or so, I would think the biggest thing would be, obviously, Dame, you know, coming off of being, you know, named the 2K cover. He, he, I mean, he might, you know, he's the type of player that seems like he would want to prove why he was on it. Um Happy birthday to Dame, too, man. Just about to say, recently turned 30 years old, too. So that's, you know, a huge milestone in terms of um, not only just, you know, his life, obviously, but also his tenure in the league, you know. So, I mean, that's a big thing, too. Um, Anthony Simons off the bench at that guard spot. Um, It seems like after Damian Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum, getting the bucket is tough for that squad, like, really tough. I mean, they've expected a lot out of guys like Nasir Little, who they took at, um, you know, the small forward spot this past draft. I mean, they might have leaned a little deep into the Carmelo signing. I think it was still a good pickup, but him being your quote-unquote third option still is one of those, like, debatable things in terms of mm-hmm. any roster. Um, Anthony Simons has proven that when he gets minutes, he's going to get – he's going to – He's going to get his points. He's going to get his. And, um, you know, coming out of IMG, I mean, you would think, you know, they have him. They have Gary Trent. Uh, they had Rodney Hood. And, I mean, man, that would just be a fire addition if he could, you know, come to the bubble in terms of the return and everything like that. And it sucks that he's going to be missed because I feel like he would really help with putting their team over the top. But, like you said before, Brooks, the main thing is injuries. There's going to be certain guys that now are going to be at a step up because this hiatus has given those injuries the chance to kind of fall over. Nurkic was ready to play right before the NBA um, holdout in terms of like everything with the coronavirus had started. He literally had said that he was about to basically come back that game right before everything had popped off. So the fact that they'll be coming up to full strength, I think kind of like what you said earlier, they're one of those teams that like from a depth standpoint, we haven't been able to see it all year, but now there might be a chance for them to like really show off like what their entire roster has. Yeah, I think and the, the thing with Nurkic too is just figuring out what he can handle minutes-wise. And I, I mean, like I, I mentioned it before, you know, they have great shooting. They have some, they have some playmakers there. They have guys that can really make some noise. It's just a matter of figuring out that pegging order and staying healthy. And, you know, guys' ego is not just getting too big for them. Looking at the other teams in the Western Conference that were invited back for the resumed season, like the Spurs, the Kings, the Suns, um, and the Pelicans and the Blazers, do you think that – which team do you feel like has a chance to grab the eight seed out of those five teams? Well, so it's what the the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Blazers. Yeah, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, and Suns. Suns definitely out. That's not even a question. Disrespectful. I'm sorry. I mean, Devin Booker. Sheesh. Devin Booker is great. He's a great guard. I just don't think he's the guy to be a number one option to lead your team to a playoff series win. I'm I'm sorry to say. I mean, he's he's a great scorer, but. I'd rather have him be like a second or third top guy on the roster. 
Um, yeah, Spurs. Sounds definitely out. Spurs, I feel like. I just, I don't know. I think this, it might be the year that they break that streak and they don't make the playoffs. Because um, you have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't even going to be playing because he's out. DeMar DeRozan, you can't trust him as a top player on a playoff team despite what he's, you know, done with the Raptors. Like, he choked a, a whole lot there. So I think this might be the year that that playoff streak gets gets closed down. Kings are snake bitten. Can't trust them. And I think any other year where they have more than eight games to catch up, I think if we I think if they could be they can make really big noise because they're De'Aaron Fox is one of my top favorite point guards in the league. But this this is not gonna happen. So I'm gonna leave it between the Pelicans, the Blazers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think the Pelicans could definitely steal the spot. I think if it's that play in, I see it going down to the to the to the was it three games? No, two games. That no, yeah, three games. I'm sorry, three games that they got to go to make it to the limit. And I think if everything goes right with Brandon Ingram being the go-to guy, JJ Redick hitting some timely shots, Zion Williamson playing with fire, I think they could definitely beat the the Grizzlies and take that spot over John Moran and them. Doesn't deserve the rookie of the year. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> but I think the Pelicans definitely have the best chance because they have such a great team. That I've said this a, a, a few times. Great youth and great vets. Great defense. Solid offense. Especially with Brandon Ingram being your, your leading scorer. Lonzo Ball is figuring out his his, uh, his swag as far as just like making shots and playmaking. You know, he's, he's, he's finally figuring it all out. Um, Drew Holiday, you know who he is. You know he's a he's a bucket getter. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the Pelicans. Definitely stealing stealing a spot. I think I would have. To, I'm. I think I'm just gonna lean knee deep into this Memphis love that I got in this episode right now. To be honest with you, um, I mean they're already up three games in terms of the eight seed over the Trailblazers and four games up on the Pelicans and Kings in terms of like holding the spot down right now um I just don't see why they couldn't maintain it I mean to be honest I think the biggest thing you know is they have they ironically I feel like in this bubble have the most to prove out of anybody that has to like really compete for their final seating um because the Pelicans are the team that everybody wants to pencil in I think of course, the reason why is, you know, from a media standpoint is if we can get Zion versus LeBron in the first round, TV's going to TVs are going to literally explode while still in the store. Like it's just expected. Mm-hmm. And I think the Trailblazers, I think this is a weird year where if they were to make it, you know, no one's going to be really excited for it. They haven't really been doing well all year. Granted, the injury bug bites at least one team every year and the trailblazers potentially might have gotten it the worst from a, like a full season standpoint so it's one of those things where when you see them now it's like yeah they would be a problem yeah full strength they would definitely be scary but you know part of you would wonder we've done this in the past with the west where it's like in reverse we would say dang there's so many teams in the west that deserve to be in that they might as well take some of the eastern conference team spots and let's just break the whole thing up this is one of those years where i would look at the trailblazers going getting in and be like 
did they really did they really earn that? You know what I mean? Did they really yeah. did they really take grasp of that or did they kind of take advantage of the eight game situation and happen to slide their way in? Because I feel like if the season was continued like as normal, I think the the Memphis versus Pelicans thing would be a lot more dynamic than what it kind of is looking like right now. And I think that, you know, Memphis would still hold it down. That's my take. But, you know, it would be a lot closer in my mind. So I feel like Memphis is the team that everybody thinks it's either the Trailblazers will put up a better fight or Zion will give them the better ratings for the first-round matchup. And it's Memphis who is ahead of schedule and needs to show everybody now. Because, you know, if Zion gets a jump on on jaw in terms of – getting to the playoffs, we kind of already know we're, we're going to just going to have to grab the pitchforks because we already know what's going to happen. They're going to put him in as rookie of the year. They're going to say he helped lead them to the playoffs, even though he did it in like less than 30 games total between before the season was ended and now. You're going to say those 30 games are what mattered the most. And you know that, you know that, you know, every part of the narrative is going to lean in his favor. So whether it be the rookie of the year race, the way this season is looked at, um, the way the two teams are, are you know, ranged against each other looking down the line in terms of which roster has a better future and things like that, a lot of that stuff is going to be determined by how Memphis finishes out the year, which is why I think they'll answer the bill. So I, I got them in. I have a question for you, for, for both uh-huh. of y'all, actually. So you remember, uh, I want to say it was the 2017 regular season and going into the playoffs when Minnesota and Denver – played for that final spot. If the season played out and it was between the Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies, how how much fun would that game have been to watch? And who do you think comes out of that game if it came down to that final regular season game? Um ooh, okay. Going for that uh, ace. Ooh, one one game for the whole for the whole shebang though. I still gotta go with Memphis, bro, because I think the biggest thing with um, the the one game scenario is asking players to step up, and you know I feel like the Pelicans definitely are a lot more like veteran heavy, and um, I understand Drew Holiday is probably one of my favorite underrated players like of all time. Uh, if you watch all the smoke, he is literally the answer every single time that the guys ask their guests who is the most underrated player in the league. His name it, comes up ninety five percent of the time. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, when it comes to their roster, uh, I feel like the Pelicans might be more strapped, but John Morant has the the killer mentality you spoke on about, like something that Jokic would have needed that uh, that or does need that I feel like, for example, back then, the difference between Denver getting in and the Timberwolves getting in, I felt like was a guy like Jimmy Butler in – perspective of something like this I feel like this is one of those where the killer instinct goes more Jaws way than maybe I guess Zion who I feel like relies on a lot of other people to get him the ball he has he has he has you know instances where obviously you know put back dunks ripping the ball away from people which he is uh starting to become synonymous with and things like that but overall it's one of those things where if I have to go with Killer Will plus the fact that John Morant has the ball in his hands the most, I still would trust him more. I disagree. I have to go with the Pelicans. Um, oh, I do kind of feel like with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., 
two young, phenomenal players. They're going to make a great duo one day. And I will emphasize the words one day because this one day is not in the resume season. Mm. Um, I have to give it to the Pelicans basically for the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, they're veteran heavy with guys like J.J. Redick and even like Brandon Ingram is starting to step up as well. And, and even if even if Zion isn't contributing, they have Jackson Hayes. So I kind of feel like that with a team like the Pelicans that outside of Zion, I'm relying more on a guy like Drew Holiday who can step up to step up. Yeah, he, um, has, he has stepped up when he was with the, with the Sixers before in, in those playoff victories. Yeah, absolutely. And that for those reasons, I have to go with the Pelicans. I think maybe for that reason, too, could be the reason why Zion ends up winning Rookie of the Year. I think he kind of wins by association, if you think about it. Like, if the team – if they push – if the Pelicans make a push for the playoffs and Zion plays well, I said this before and I'll say it again, I think Zion wins Rookie of the Year for that reason. If Memphis ends up making the playoffs, it may be because of John Morant. Fair enough. <laughs> Got to take that one on the chin. Yeah. I want to pose one more question to Brooks, and then we'll throw it to our question of the day for our fans. Um, Brooks, we haven't seen basketball in over four months. What will you expect to see in the NBA's return? So what do I expect to see? I expect to see a lot, a lot of nervous energy, a lot of jitteries, jitters going on in like that first quarter. But then it's, it's just like when you go play pickup, you know, that first game is always going to be a test out game. You got to figure out, Oh, how do I want to play today? You know, what's going on with my, with, you know, with my crossover, with my jump shot, blah, blah, blah. Those first couple, like I would say the first two games, I feel like it's going to be just that, that feeling out process. And then God forbid anything else happens, but I think if everything goes well, people don't get sick, people don't get injured, whatever it may be. I feel like people are just going to be more comfortable as it goes on. And then it'll just skyrocket. You know, everybody's been wanting to watch basketball. So everybody's going to watch, they can watch. Um, you know, people were worried about the fact that the ratings have been going down for the NBA this whole season um, with this quarantine thing going on and, and the fact that people are still respecting the virus and all that. I feel like they're going to be inside. I'm going to want to watch some basketball. They're going to talk about it. I think it's going to be – now is a perfect time for the NBA to just take over and be the most popular thing on TV. I guess they're going to – piggyback off of the like you know first game jitters thing um I haven't said this before in terms of like my comments on the return but I would not be surprised if the first play of every game that tips off that first day is a turnover wouldn't be surprised even a lick and it's only just because these guys have not been around each other enough to really get the rapport and I feel like there's a lot of teams that needed it during the season, let alone trying to squeeze it in now. I've been, you know, up until recently where uh, me and Ryan had did our our finals picks, I had recently been on the the train of, like, um, the Clippers winning and it being because of their depth. But one thing that has kind of plagued my mind in terms of that take as uh, as of late has been the fact that, you know, Paul George and Kawhi, haven't really played on the floor at the same time very often. Um, They have a lot of, you know, six-man capability with guys like Lou Will, if he does end up, you know, coming to the bubble. Montrezl Harrell is obviously, you know, still a problem regardless. Uh, And then they have guys like Landry Shamet who can come off the bench. Um, Is he coming back? 
I I believe so, but you know that I feel like that's debatable because as of right now, we don't really know where he stands. But these are they they essentially have guys on the roster all over the place that can give them good minutes when necessary. Nice. But we haven't seen it, you know, enough to just lean into that and truly, you know, ride with that take. So I feel like teams like that are gonna really struggle initially. And that's why, like you said before, the first game jitters part of it, I definitely expect guys to kind of come out slow. Um, if it's either crazy low scoring or crazy high scoring, it really would not throw me off. I would probably lean towards low scoring just because, like I said, I would not be surprised if the yeah. first play of every game is a turnover for crying out loud. But um, I expect things to pick up. By about the third game of everybody's, you know, eight-game regular season run, I'm expecting everybody to be back into I'm going to be a problem mode. And there's going to be some guys, please do not be shocked if our boy Quinn Cook or Alex Caruso, for God's sakes, has a 20-point game in this eight-game regular season we got going on. Yeah, I I think it's going to be exciting after we get through the first, you know, baby steps, getting getting the court legs back officially. Yeah, and don't forget the fact of the matter is these guys have been able to – I mean, it's, it's one-on-zero workouts, and they've been able to – you know, you saw John Moran um, on YouTube and on Instagram, whatever, playing, you know, getting in some runs. So it's not like people haven't found a way to play some basketball in between. But I think the scrimmages are going to be really great for these guys too and figuring out some, some stuff, uh, you know, figuring out how to play, especially a team like the, the Nets and the Wizards. But – I mean, I'll I'll go with what you said, man. I think it's going to be very possible that it's going to be low-scoring games at first. You know, these guys are high-level. These are the best basketball players in the world. So you can expect some 80, 90 games in there sometimes, but I don't think it's going to be too too long before they get back into the 100s and, like, you know, guys scoring 120, 130 points in uh, in the game combined. I'm not saying, you know, some, one player can do that, but, you know, I, I don't think it'll be too soon before they get into the 100s and, start wowing everybody with the big dunks and step back J's and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I have to agree. We have to pose our question of the day to our fans. What team do you believe will make the eight seed and which team do you think will surprise us in the resume season? Leave your answer down below in the comments section. And when you review our podcast, make sure you give it five stars. Yeah. Brooks, do you have anything you want to uh, plug before we uh, call us a wrap? All right, great. So HML Podcast, we released a video today about the Washington Washington football team. Um, a couple of dance hour stories we had with the guest. Definitely definitely watch that. You know, once again, HMO ENT on Twitter, HMO Podcast on, on Instagram. Go watch that Instagram TV stuff. Uh, follow me on, on Instagram and Twitter, Brooks, three O's, two K's and three S's on both. So... We'll plug yeah. it in, though. We'll plug it in the description for you, bro, just in case. And thank you guys for having me also. Um, honored to be the first guest. Thank you, for, thank you for appearing on the podcast today, Brooks. Definitely have you as a guest another time once the, once the season goes or once the season comes around, maybe even on the offseason. This was a great episode today. On the next episode, we're going to continue our What If series with Part 5. <laughs>